If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 31. And I'm in a series called Parables. We just say, everybody say parables. It's short stories that illustrate a spiritual principle or a spiritual lesson. And so Jesus used these parables all throughout his teaching just to kind of help people get an understanding of the kingdom of God, how to treat people, how to handle money. And today is a, a big lesson on how to handle, how, how, to, how to treat people. I'm going to tell you the story in, Mark, in Matthew chapter 18. It's the story of the unmerciful uh, servant, but then we're going to focus on Ephesians chapter 4. And, and let me just set it up for you and tell you that one of the most, maybe the most known is this unmerciful uh, parable, but it's also one of the most hard to, to really apply or to live out. And it all started with a question that Peter asked. Peter came to Jesus and said, how many times do I have to forgive? And, and if, you've, if you've heard this here, for, it, there's some new stuff in here that's going to help you. How many times do I have to forgive? And, 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 you know, I think, and I'm reading into it, I don't know for sure, but I think somebody close to Peter offended him. I think there was just, it was a fresh wound. There was something in his heart, something in his life. Somebody did something, said something. And I do think it was somebody close. Because those closest to you have the greatest opportunity to offend you. You're not offended by people that you don't know or don't care too much about. Or, or what I, not long ago, I got a phone call from a man. I coached his son in baseball. It's been several years now. And, and even as I, I didn't know him really well. I mean, I knew the boy pretty well, but I didn't know him very well. But he was getting remarried, and he wanted somebody to marry him. And, and he didn't know any other preacher, so he called me. And, and, and we talked about it for a minute. Okay, yeah, I'd love to. Will you come to counseling for six times? We just we need to do some premarital counseling. I want to lay out some things to you. And, well, no, we're getting married in less than a month, and we really don't have time for that. Well, uh, are, you, are you a Christian? Is she a Christian? Well, I am. I really love Jesus. I haven't been to church in a long time. But she says she's an atheist and really doesn't want anything to do with God. But that's okay because there's, you know, there's mo- and he's just going on and on. I'm like, well, are, you know, are you willing to live pure until you get married? No, no, I can't do that. We love each other and we're getting married. And so I, I, I thought I was very nice about it and said, well, you know, pal, you don't need a preacher. You need a justice of the peace. Just go down to the courthouse and get married. Sign up. Marriage like, you, you obviously, you're not looking to do it God's way. That wasn't, I don't know if that was nice. You just kind of want to do it your own way. So don't get me involved in it. Just do it. And he, I mean, he got mad. He got angry. He started calling me intolerant and narrow-minded and, and, and not caring about people and insensitive and, and all this stuff. And, and you know, I'm just kind of listening. And, I, and, I, and when I hung up, it really, again, I don't know how you're going to tell it. It didn't bother me a whole lot. It, it didn't, all the words, it, it didn't cut, it didn't hurt. It didn't, it didn't hinder me. His son wasn't really that good in baseball anyway. No, no, no. That, that had nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. It had everything to do with it. I didn't even know the guy that good. I, I didn't, he didn't even, you know, he'd never, he doesn't know me. He doesn't, he doesn't even have no business. I tell you, it hurts you the most, the people that you're closest to. And, and that's, where we get, that's where we get thrown off because we always say, well, man, they're supposed to love me the most. And, and they do. That's why they can hurt you the easiest. And if, you, and if you begin to see through that lens, so, so moms and dads, sons and daughters, uh, pastors, that's why a pastor can, can cut you so sharp, is because you, I hope you hold him, now you don't, you used to, hold me in a, in a high esteem and, and think, our spiritual leaders or whatever, because those that are closest to you, the greater the love, the greater capacity. 
to offend, the greater expectation, the greater potential to become offended. Those most likely to offend us cause hurts are not casual acquaintances. They're people that we love and respect. And so I think Peter, he'd been cut, he'd been wounded. So how many times do I got to forgive? Gee, what about seven times? Is that enough? The law says three, so I'll double it and add one. Seven times. And Jesus says, no, not, not seven times, but 70 times, seven, 490 times. And, and you say, well, that's a big number. Why, how did he even come up with that number? Because it's not about a number. It's about attitude. That you're never, expe- you're never expected to exhaust your grace. That you're always supposed to have one more, I forgive you. That there's always supposed to be a little bit more mercy in your heart to, to offer to somebody else. And then Jesus tells the story. This, this king wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And so he gathered all of them together and he got one guy that owed him 10,000 talents. Now, for that to make sense, I've got to help you understand what that meant. One talent was 6,000 6, denarii. One denarii was one day's wage. So obviously one, one denarii or one talent was 6,000 days of work or 10,000 talents or 60 million days or 240,000 years of labor. Uh, so what Jesus was saying, there was a person who owned, owed him, if he made $110 a day, he owed him $6 billion. So again, it's, it has nothing to do with the money. I don't, I don't even think Jesus is counting. He doesn't have his calculator out. It's so vast. It's so big. It's so great. He's just trying to make a point that you're always supposed to forget. And, 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 and the question is, well, is Jesus exaggerating? Is he evangelizing? And again, the spiritual principle is surely no one could erase that kind of debt. And, and really, in the, as you study the story, the, the, the king represents God and we're the servant. And we owe that kind of a debt. And so again, I began to think about it. How much I, am I indebted to God? How often do I sin? And to sin means to miss the mark or fall short. Well, worry is falling short of faith. That's sin. Impatience is falling short of kindness. That's sin. A critical spirit misses the mark of love. That's sin. Did you miss your prayer time this week? Prayerlessness is sin. Sharp tongue, impure thoughts, disobedience to the Holy Spirit's leading, anger, lust, fear, sin of commission, things I should have done, sin of omission, things I shouldn't have done. You say, yeah, but those are little sin. Sin is sin. Missing the mark is missing the mark. Either you hit it or you don't. So 10 cents per hour, maybe. 16 waking hours a day, assuming I don't sin in my sleep. 364 days a year. The average lifespan of a male is 74 years. Round that off. If you do the, t- I owe God, I, inde- I am indebted to 4.3 million sins. I can't pay that back. I'm swimming in an ocean of debt. And that's Jesus' point precisely. The debtor in the story is me. The debtor in the story is you. And, and the king is God. And so, and so what does the king do? Well, the servant fell on his knees before him. And he cried out, be patient with me, big, and I'll pay back everything. And the, servant, the, the servant's master took pity on him, and he canceled. He voided. He revoked. He erased the debt. He adulled the net debt, and he let him go. And I want you to remember that. He let him go. He let it go. God forgives the, the unthinkable, or God does the the unforgivable forgives all those debts, and then the servant goes out and does the unthinkable. He starts looking for the guys that owe him. 
just out of the king's presence, just forgiven all that debt, and he finds a guy that owes him 100 denarii. That's, if you use the other calculation, it's $11,000. It's not a small debt. I mean, that's still significant. That still stings. That still hurts. That, that's still something that could be used for something good. I mean, it's not a petty debt, $11,000. I don't know about to you, but $11,000 to me is a big deal. But when you compare it to, to the $6 billion debt, it's nothing. It's peanuts. It, 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 shouldn't, it should not even, even matter. And, and he said, hey, give me that debt now. Give me my $11,000. And back in that day, if they didn't pay the debt, you could have them thrown in the jail. This was a parable, but it had some, some, uh, some, some truth in it in the sense that the culture could do that. And the guy begged him and, 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 and said, please don't. And the, and the servant grabbed him by the neck and began to choke him. Began, to, hey, I want my debt and I want it now. And he refused to forgive him. He refused to, to cancel it. He refused to annul it. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay back the debt. And I don't, I don't know if this man understands what happened. His life has been spared. His family liberated. His sentence lifted. This huge debt has been forgiven. And he leaves the presence of the king and demands a, a, a debt from a fellow debt owner. Here's what I do know. We don't want to be that guy, according to Scripture. We don't want to be the one who freely receives forgiveness, but unjustly holds forgiveness. So the rest of the story says, then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy? Shouldn't you have had mercy on this other servant? Here, here's a key. Just as I had on you. And you're going to hear that theme throughout this message because that's how God wants us to forgive. Just as I've forgiven you, I want you to forgive others. I, just as I did to you. And the master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured. He was in prison. And this is the end of the story. Or not the end, but later. And this, at this, the servant fell on his knees. I already read that. I already talked about that. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from the heart. And here's what I hear all the time. Yeah, yeah, but I start getting kicked back. You got to forgive your brother from the heart. Jesus forgives a $6 billion debt. Somebody owes you a, in comparison to smaller, are even equal to that debt. You've got, just like Christ forgave you, you've got to forgive them. Yeah, but you don't know my story. You don't know the pain. You don't know the abuse. You don't know the offense. You don't, you don't know what they did to me. And you know what I'm likely to say? You're right. I don't know. Or... You're right. That's terrible. Don't, don't forgive them. Hold on to it. That, retaliate. Don't, don't, don't let them go. Get even with them. But you know what Jesus would say? Treat them the way I treated you. Respond the way I responded to you. Freely you have received. Freely you must give. Do, here's what Jesus says. Do unto others like I have done to you. You know what Paul would say? You say, well, who is Paul? Paul's the great apostle. Paul... Paul grew up in a very religious home. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He, he was, he was one of the religious elites. He, he was moving up the ladder. He had prosperity. He had notoriety. He had position. He had power. He had influence. And he has this encounter with Christ. And this religious man gets saved. He gets born again. He gets made brand new. And, and some of you are thinking, well, religious and saved, I thought that was the same thing. No, religion is, is what you do. It's what... You, what you do to get right with God. I gave this. I did this. I got baptized here. 
I went to church here. It's what I do to get right with God. Religion doesn't work. Salvation is accepting what Christ did for you. Christ died on the cross. Christ gave his life. Christ, he who knew no sin, became sin for me. Paul had this, this encounter, this, this salvation experience, surrendered his life to the Lord, and, and, and his world gets changed, turned upside down, in a lot of ways for the bad. The Christians are afraid of him because they think he's playing. And the Jews hate him because he's a deserter and he's turned from this religious ideology and this religious thinking. Yet in spite of the conflict and the tension and the disruption, he begins planting churches all over, uh, all over Europe at that time. And one of the churches is Ephesus. This is later on his ministry. And here's the key verse for the day. And, and this is where I wanted you to turn. Here on forgiveness, merciful servant all ties in. This is what he says. Get rid of all bitterness. Just get rid of it. Let it go. Quit hanging. But wait, 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 Paul, you don't understand. I got, I got all these. I mean, my mama was an alcoholic. My daddy abused me. My, my brother was, hey, stop it. Just get rid of it. You know, I'm not the best counselor, but I'm thinking about Paul. Paul is very insensitive. Paul, Paul's like, but will you, let me tell you about my story. Let me tell you why I got the rage. Let me tell you about the anger. Let me tell you about the brawling. Let me tell you why I'm slandering. And, and let me tell you why I'm involved in, in this kind of mal. And Paul, don't, I don't want to even hear your story. Just get rid of it. Get over it. Let it go. It, but, but Paul... And it's, a, it's what, I'm sure he was here, and this is what, this is what I hear all the time. But Paul, you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't even know. And then he just responds, no, 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 get rid of it, let it go. Pay your $50 on the way out, and uh, next person, come on up. Just insensitive, short, doesn't want to hear it. He says that resentful, critical attitude towards that person, stop it. That, that slander, you know what slander is? You're so mad at somebody else, you talk about them. And maybe it's true, maybe it's not, but you're ruining their reputation. Slander, quit it. Don't do it, Paul says. That fighting, that bickering, you're better than that. Stop, stop acting like that. Then he sums it up with this word malice. Malice is any ill will you have against anybody else. So he uses all these adjectives, and then he just said, I don't have any more adjectives, so let me just sum it up. You got any ill will against anybody? Let it go. Family member, coworker, neighbor, someone in the church. Get rid of it. And you say, man, that's just insensitive. Paul doesn't even know what I'm going through. He doesn't even understand. Why would I even take Paul seriously? I'll tell you why. Because he's not riding from Polly's Island, sitting in some hammock. My daughter right now is, 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 is a nanny for this family in our neighborhood. Her, uh, the, the lady's mom owns a condo on the beach. And so my daughter has been there the last 10 days watching these kids. And she FaceTimes me. And it's usually in a hammock. Sipping on a drink, non-alcoholic, obviously, don't think that. But it, drinking on a drink, dark, suntan, looking good, feeling good, living in paradise. That's not where Paul is. Paul's not swinging in a hammock, drinking a pina colada. Paul is chained between two Roman soldiers. He's got chains on his wrists and He's trying to write a letter. I'm sure he, hey, man, give me a little slack. I'm trying to write here. And that guy just goes to scratch his head, and a big old line goes all the way across the page. Is that not funny to you? That's kind of funny to me. And, 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 and he's, he's, I mean, you talk about in a bad spot. Everybody hates Paul. Friends have deserted him. The church is against him. The, 
the, the, the religious system doesn't care about him. He's been unjustly convicted. His life has been tough, beaten three times with a cat of nine tails, shipwrecked, stoned and left for dead, bit by a poisonous snake, kicked out of towns, transferred from prison to prison. Once he got saved, his life gets worse, not better, if you look around. But, but, but Paul, he has this, just this encounter with Christ, and, and though he had every opportunity to be mad and, and be bitter and, and have rage and have anger and fighting and slander those who treated him wrong and have ill will against people, he, he, he just said, I'm, I'm going to get rid of it. I don't, I don't know about you, but when somebody goes through a difficult situation and they don't just survive it, but they thrive through it, it gets my attention. So when I look at Paul, it's like this guy, you heard of this Nick, Nick V, I, I can't even say his last name. It's, he's called the man without limbs. He doesn't have arms or legs. And he goes around speaking. I heard him speak one time and he speaks about joy and hope and life and attitude and his relationship with God. And you got this guy that has no arms, no legs. But he surfs, he skateboards, he has a productive life. There's a smile on his face, there's joy in his heart, and he just grabs your attention. Because not only has he been through it, but he has, he has thrived through it. Paul's that guy. And so when Paul says, get rid of all bitterness, and not only has he done it, but Paul has a deep conviction that it can happen, that it, that it can be accomplished, that you can get over it. No, I can't. Yes, you can. You can let it go. You can get through it. And can I, can I just tell you really how you even get there? And I don't have a lot of time, but there is a progression, and I'll just try to go through it quickly, and, and I just ruined the whole thing. Here it is. The, here's the first step. There's a distance. Here, here's what happens, and it's, oftentimes it's not even conflict. You can get distance in a relationship out of neglect. Relationships do not manage themselves. If not managed, they go unmanaged. Neglect can cause problems. Relationships don't maintain themselves. There's got to be effort. And when there's not, it can cause distance. And, and after distance, the, the, and distance can cause hurt and pain and misunderstanding. And here's, here's something that happens. We begin to build walls. Begin to build walls around ourselves. And this all ties in, but listen to the book of Proverbs. A brother offender is ha- offended is harder to win than a strong city. Well, why, why is that? Why, why, is it hard, why is it harder to go into a city that's well-armed and well-fortified than win an offended brother? Because he's built up walls. And his whole life is about protecting, not giving. And so my son Micah got some hermit crabs when we were at the beach. You know them things live forever? You cannot kill them. And, and, and this one will not die. And because he, he can't, he'll stay in his shell all the time. And if you get close to him, he just, he just, he just goes back into that shell. Offended, hurt people, that's what they do. They go back into the shell. You weren't meant to live in a shell. You were meant to be life-giving. You were meant to share. You were meant to sow. You were meant to connect. You were meant to be a part of. But when you get offended, you build walls. And you say, I'm not going to let anybody else hurt me. I'm just going to stay in this shell. I'm just going to protect myself. I'm going to be safe. And that's the worst place for you to live. It's the worst place. And if you're not careful, it goes to this escalation. And, 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 and the small things become big things. And I, you're arguing about what? You're, you, you are not talking because of that? You have, you have cut them off? Because it just escalates. Little things become 
become big things and tongues get out of control and tempers flare and minds get made and lines get drawn. And you know what happens? Again, if you're not careful, you get false belief. Your mind, you start to believe the worst about everything. You assume the worst. You believe the worst. Oh, they're talking about me now. They're not even thinking about you now. They, they don't, they don't, they've even forgot it. You're still worried about it. You know what that is? It's the enemy. The, in, the Bible says he is the author of lies. He can't even tell the truth. You know how to know if the devil's lying? He's talking. Every time he opens his mouth, he's lying. Oh, you're never going to get through that. Oh, you're never going to make it. Oh, they hate you. Oh, oh, whatever. And you begin, your filter gets so hijacked that you don't even filter the right thing. And every Every action, every word, everything is an assumption that they're trying to hurt you more. And then here's the last stage, I think, hostility. And hostility is not between you and the person. Hostility is the condition of your soul. When you get to this place, there's no joy, there's no peace, there's no rest. Your soul has been corroded with bitterness and resentment and anger. And Paul's emphatic. He's saying, let it go, get rid of it. And you say, but I can't. You don't know my story. You know what Paul would say? You can. You just don't want to be free from that person. A sin of stupidity. You don't want to be free from their immorality or their cruelty or their lust or their wrongdoing. You know what you're really saying? I want to remain a victim. I don't want my heart to be released and my my life to be open for God to pour in his love. I'd rather be a, a victim forever and let one foolish person dictate my life and change my countenance, and poison my personality, and sabotage my character, and control my future. And you know what Paul says? Let it go. Get rid of it. The great theologian Taylor Swift said, shake it off. Don't let your history abort your destiny. Listen to this. You have too much in front of you to allow what's behind you to keep you incarcerated and bound by what someone said or what someone did. You're acting too, you're, you're too big to be acting too small. You're too powerful to be too, so petty. You're too high to be so low. You're too great to be that little. Paul said, let it go. And you say, Pastor, you make it sound like it's so easy. According to Paul, you can. But you know what? We don't want to admit we don't even want to admit we're still hurting. Oh, I forgot it. It's behind me. You see him in the Martins and you run to the other end of the store. You don't want to be around. Oh, I forgot it. You know, no. Forgetting it is not, is not, and you, you have these word games in your mind. Well, if I, you dream about the time you get to confront him and everything you'd say to him, but, but I, and I forgot it. I'm over it. One, we don't want to admit it, and I think, too, even if we do have the courage to admit it, we, we don't want to let it go because we like telling our story. We like the attention. You got treated that bad? They did that to you? We like that. We, we, like, the, we like the affirmation. Oh, you are right. They're terrible. You're in the right. They're in the wrong. And so we want to hang on to that story. And here's, here's, here's where I've told you two stories today. I've told you the story of the unmerciful slave. You've heard the command of Paul. And now it's decision time. Are you going to hang on to it? Are you going to let it go? You know, if you went to the doctor and you found out that you had cancer, you, 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 you don't care. I mean, at that moment, you don't care where it came from. You, you don't even care. 
you don't care what, if your mama, if it was in your, your bloodline or whatever, you just want to get rid of it. When you get a fence in your heart, we want to go, we want to go, well, how did it happen? What happened? Well, yeah. And Paul says, hey, man, just let it go. Get rid of it. Okay, how do I do it? Here's where I want to close, give you some pointers. I encourage you to write this thing. Here's the first thing. It's going to take faith. And, and well, what is faith? Faith is a step you have to take into something that doesn't make any sense. That's faith. If it made sense, it wouldn't be faith. Here's an illustration. The Bible says, give and it will be given unto you. That does not make sense to me. What makes sense to me is keep and I'll get more. Hoard and I'll become more wealthy. Sow into my own life and I'll get more. But the step of faith says, okay, God, I'll trust you at your word. It's illogical. It doesn't make sense. But I'm going to do it anyway. And what happens when you get on the other side of faith and you begin to do it, you go, oh, that does work. Why didn't I do that a long time ago? It's going to take faith to forgive. It's going to take faith to let it go. Because naturally, it's not natural. It's illogical. It, it doesn't make sense. But I'm telling you, you get to the other side of faith, and you're going to go, man, I should have done this a long time ago. How freeing. How awesome was this? Man, why did I hang on to it so long? So it's going to be, it's, it's going to take faith. And here, here, let's go back to the verse, and I'll give you some more. So Paul says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling. You get anything out of this? A couple of you are. And slander, along with every form of malice, any evil intent, get rid of it. And here's the solution. Trade it. Instead of this, do this. Be kind. The word kind means gentle and mild and tender and gracious and considerate. It's showing a willingness to be good. Be compassionate, not indifferent. I don't care. But tender to provide clemency. How, well, how do I do that? How do I show kind and compassion to one another? And here's the key of the whole message. By forgiving each other. Okay, help me with that. Here's forgiveness defined. A decision to cancel a debt. Forgiveness defined. It's a decision. When you study the word uh, forgiveness in Ephesians 4.32, in this context, it, it, it gives a word picture. It's constantly dueling out the gift of forgiveness. It's constantly dueling out the gift of forgiveness. Oh, oh, you hurt me. That stung bad. But here, let me give you some forgiveness. Oh, that was betrayal at its best. But here, let me give you some forgiveness. You left me. Here's some forgiveness. And I, I'm not making, I'm not making a light of it. I'm not making little of it. I know the hurt. I know the pain. I know the sting. I know the, I know the challenge. I know the difficulty. But in, here, here's some forgiveness. Oh, you took what belonged to me. Here's some forgiveness. You lied to me, here's some forgiveness. It's developing a lifestyle where we constantly make a decision to offer the gift of forgiveness. It's a decision. But pastor, I've tried to forgive. You don't understand forgiveness. Because you don't try to make a decision, you make a decision. It's a decision to cancel a debt. I, I, I've decided no matter what you've done to me, no matter how you've hurt me, no matter how much havoc you've caused in my family, in my life, I've made a decision that you don't owe me anymore. I've decided, I've made a decision that I'm not going to wait for you to ask for it. I'm not going to 
put my life on hold? Do you come to your senses and admit you're wrong? In spite of everything you've done, I have decided, I've made a decision, I'm going to cancel the debt. You don't owe me anymore. That's important because every time you get hurt, every time you get offended, there is something that's been taken from you. That's why you get hurt. So you took my innocence. A married couple that got divorced, you took the kids. You took my money. You took my future. You took my peace. You took my joy. You took my hope. You took my security. You took my income. You took my health. You cannot cancel a debt until you know specifically what's been taken. But once you identify what's been taken, you make a decision. You don't, in your mind, it's an act of your will. You don't owe me anymore. I've canceled the debt. I've let you off the hook. Paid in full. Done. So if you were to come up to me and say, hey, I finally, you know, you hurt me a long time ago. You finally came to me and said, hey, I just want you to know. I just want to make it right. I'm sorry. I was wrong. You know what? I got rid of that a long time ago. I can't, man, that thing, I made a decision a long time ago to cancel that debt. Brother, you don't, you don't owe me anything. Let me make it up to you. You don't owe me anything. That debt's canceled. That, and again, that's a pushback. It's not, that, that sounds too easy. If I cancel the debt, they'll never learn. I'm letting them off the hook. It's injustice. And listen to me. It's not about them. It's about you. You need to be free. You need to keep living. You need to be healthy. You need to let it go. You need to decide in your heart and make it a matter of a, your will that you don't owe me anymore. You need to forgive. How do I do that? How do I forgive like that? Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. A decision to cancel a debt. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Do for others what God has done for you. The only motivation, the only way you're going to forgive if you realize you've been forgiven. If you don't know you've been forgiven, there's no motivation, there's no drive, there's no desire. Only the forgiven forgive. Only forgiven people are motivated to let people off the hook. Your motivation has got to be not because they asked for it, not because they deserve it, but because of what Christ has done for you. Because you're a forgiven person. I had a sin debt I could not pay. 143 million sins. There was no way I was getting out of that. But God, by his mercy and God, by his grace, said debt paid, sin canceled, uh, sins forgiven. Not only am I going to forgive it, I'm going to throw it into the sea of forgetfulness. I'm going to separate it from you as far as the east is from the west. It's done. It's over. I've forgiven you finally. I've forgiven you fully. I've forgiven you freely. No, it's without merit. We're not going to barter about it. There's no yeah, buts. It's not a trade. It's not yeah, but you better. It is a gracious response to you asking, Jesus said. Man, that's good. That was a great place to say amen. But Psalms 130, if you, O Lord, kept a record of wrongs, who could stand? But with you, there's forgiveness. Thank God. Here's what the, Paul said. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. 
guilty. Your, your record was stamped guilty. But when you said yes to Jesus, he said, pardon by my blood. Free because of my grace. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here's the last verse. Come now, let's settle the issue. Let's resolve definitely. Let's come to a conclusion. Quit talking about it. Though your sins are like scarlet, I'm going to make them white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, I'm going to make them as wool. Here's what Jesus is saying. I want you to do for others what I did for you. I, didn't, I, I want you to forgive people to the same degree that I have forgiven you. You'll, you'll never find freedom focused on the person who hurt you. You'll never find motivation to forgive focused on the people who offend you. You only find freedom when you refocus on the one who has forgiven you. If you struggle with forgiveness, shift your focus. But they ruined that relationship. Because of them, my kids are confused. If it wasn't because of their selfishness, I never, got, I never went through that pain. And I'm telling you, shift your attention from the one who hurt you to what Christ has done for you. Only then will you find the ability and the motivation to forgive the person who hurt you. If you've locked into your forgiveness, you're able to forgive. Here's your last thing. I know I've said last thing several times. This is what I want you to do. I want you over the course of this week, I want you to find a three-by-five card, a piece of paper, something, and I want you to do a little exercise. On one side of it, I want, to put, I want you to put your name and, and li- just list some of the sins that you've committed, some of the offenses you've committed against God. And on the other side, I want you to, here's the first thing you to do, do, identify your offender. That's probably the easier part. Who hurt you? Who, who wronged you? Who took from you? Who stole from you? Who robbed you? Once you identify your offender, the next, next thing you do, determine what, determine what they took from you. Determine what they owe you. Man, they took my kids. They took my fine. They took my reputation. They, they took my joy. They, they, took, they took whatever. Because you can't cancel a debt until you know what they owe you. And then the third thing is decide to cancel the debt. Make a decision. A decision is a decision. And you know what you need to do? You need to have some kind of service. Some kind of, you need to put an X on it. You need to burn it. You need to bury it. You, you need to discard it. You, you, need to, you need to realize your sins have been forgiven and you're not going to make a, other people don't owe you. You're going to have some kind of some ceremony that's going to, so this is why that's important. When that thing, because it's not going to go away easy, when that person comes back in your mind, when that thought comes back in your heart, when that anger and that malice and that, and that wanting to slander and that offense comes, you can look back on that event and say, I made a decision They don't owe me any longer. I'm going to get rid of it. I've let it go. In Jesus' name. Get rid of all bitterness. All rage. All anger. Not some of it, all of it. Brawling, fighting, bickering, backbiting, and all slander. Along with every form of malice. Instead, be kind. Be compassionate. Forgive each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Amen, everybody? Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would seal it in our hearts, seal it in our minds, and seal it in our spirits. Will you stand on your feet with me for...
just a few moments. Pastor Andrew's getting ready to close out this service. But take a minute, will you, and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you concerning this message. What do I need to do? I, don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. What's the Holy Spirit saying? What steps do I need to take? What action do I need? What commitment do I need to make to make this a reality in my heart and in my life? Take just a minute, will you? Holy Spirit, we, we're just saying speak. Help us. Lead us. Direct us. In Jesus' name.